Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And with me in the studio is a real maverick, a bit of a wild card. He doesn't read any books, let alone the rule book. It's Tony Kerr. The rule book is on my list of books to read. It's on your pile. Bottom of the pile. After like, Netherland, Topsy and Tim. Yeah, there's Mr. a lot Happy. to get to, man. There's a lot to get to. How's it going this week, Tony? It's going well. It's going very well. We're yeah. actually in the same room this week. Yeah. Which makes a change. Back in the studio, you don't sound like a robot anymore. Of course, on last week's show, you so, came through Skype because we were snowed out. Snowmageddon happened in Guernsey and we, we couldn't get out of our homes. We couldn't get to the studio. Uh, but the snow's melted now. Snowmageddon's over. It's all gone. Feels like a bit of a dream now, that, doesn't it? Feels like it didn't really happen. Yeah, it does. There's still kind of piles of black dirty ice in the corner of the roads and stuff like and it's just in a corner here and there so that's a reminder a tree is still down everywhere mate. so there you go it just swept through didn't it and destroyed our world turned our world upside down well we talked about on last week's show the fact that uh, for you it was a very stressful few days because uh, you work for the radio station here just public getting information to the public when they need it most you were going around you were being sent out uh, to report on what was happening it's a bit like you know when you see like hurricanes happening or something terrible storms and on the news, reporters are always down on the coast, like stood there in their anoraks, like, yeah, it's really bad here. Even though there's like a, a warning to people to get Not away to from it. <laughs> Don't go there under any circumstances. But reporters somehow think that they're immune because they're reporters. So that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You're sliding w- around in the <laughs> snow in your car. Just being a general public health hazard. Well, the day after we recorded that episode, it was still really snowy, so... I turned on the radio to to try and get some updates. Uh, and I thought, Tony Kerr, he's the guy that I need to hear. He's <laughs> he's a real public service guy. He'll be out there finding out what's going on. He'll let me know. And uh, I listened to your report. And uh, you sort of said, yeah, it's really bad here. Oh, it's not so bad here. Clearing a bit here. And at the end, the presenter back in the studio went, well, thanks very much for that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Paul? Paul's my yeah my stage name. Do they actually know who you are, too? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Uh, I mean, Paul is the name I answer to. Tim, Dale, Troy, Troy, <laughs> Troy. You yeah. answer to the name Troy. Yeah. In what part of your life do you answer to the name Troy? <laughs> I, I, w- I would answer the name Troy now. Yeah, I didn't realize Troy was actually a name that you could be given until what high school until musical? someone started calling me Troy but yeah it is, it's a good name is this your gym buddies is that who it is your, <laughs> yeah, your boot camp pals when you, when, you, when you walk in and they go hey Troy here comes Troy yeah no looking good Troy bar buddies I guess <laughs> bar buddies Troy you, you can call me Troy if you want Adam and Troy <laughs> you have this whole other part of your life don't you that's uh, it's a bit like that sitcom Cheers you have this bar that you go to all the time where everybody knows your name 
but in this case it's a different name to the one that everyone else knows you by the tagline of cheers is where everybody knows your name oh i see but it's, I see. So where everybody knows my name, but it's not the right name. But it's the wrong <laughs> name. Um, well, here's a question for you, Troy. Uh, what is in store on the show today? Are you asking me? Well, I don't know. Do you know the answer to that? Uh, I can take a stab. I'm guessing there's going to be some New Zealand, England. Yeah, I don't think I actually faxed you the agenda for this week. No, though. you didn't actually. You've left me in the dark. <laughs> so, uh, so it's going just... to be a surprise to you as much Can as I... anyone. Yeah. I think you probably could have guessed, though. Well, I think just a, a quick fumble around the Crick Info homepage would tell me what we were talking about and some of the lines that you were going to use. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. if you just flick through a selection of today's newspapers, I actually bought on you'll the, get uh, a lot of the points that uh, <laughs> will be coming up later on. I bought the Cricketer magazine on the way back uh, through the airport uh, on Sunday night uh, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet but I was going to kind of gazump you on the various points that you'd taken from that the number yeah, exactly. of points. Um, well yes uh, New Zealand England we are going to be talking about and also there's been another test match uh, what has happened this week as well it took place in Mahali oh, thank God for that India v Australia so we'll be talking about that that game went down to the final hour so there's lots to talk about. So that's a, that's a long roundup for you to, to a, a very long on one. scorecard roundup. So we're all looking forward to that. So yeah, all that to come. But before we get going, I should say that there's a hulking grey elephant in the room that uh, we should probably deal with before it goes on the rampage and destroys this whole studio. How was your weekend, Tony? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. Do you want to explain where you were, what you got up to? Uh, no, no, no. Just want to have a stag stag party at the weekend. <laughs> no, 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 no. Are you, are you reluctant to talk about this? Well, you did, you did say bring some stories from it, but there's very few that are fit for, for air. You're in a safe place here, Tone. Yeah. Plus, you know the expression, what happens in Prague gets talked about on the World <laughs> Cricket well, is, I did see lots of T-shirts with that one <laughs> there. Yeah, it was good. Typical, typical stag party. You were, you were on a stag do, a yeah. bachelor party, if you like. In, uh, for, for those of you. In Prague, or Praha, as they call it in, uh, in the Czech Republic. You could have done with me along there, really, couldn't you? With with my with all this knowledge I've got, like the fact that it's called Praha. Yeah, that, I mean that would have been you'd have been flying already. But yeah, yeah, no, it was good. There was one bit where I was slightly concerned that we were, cause there was you know we had like a stag woman who took us around the place. A what? Yeah, you know, tour guide person. Right. Yeah. You know these people who just take you places. But we went to one bar, and I was slightly concerned for a brief period because it was just there was about six, maybe seven stag dudes in there, and that was it. That was the only people in the bar. And so it was, I mean, we, you know, we were kind of a better, we were just doing stag do's better, but some people were just chanting. There, were, there was no, there was no banter, if you like. It was just chant. It was like West Side Story at one point. <laughs> it was like just groups of people like singing at each other. And I was a bit concerned. Kind of witnessing the death of civilization in action there. Yeah. You? I mean, yeah, you'd have loved it. It was, uh, <laughs> it was something to behold. Didn't you go go-karting as well? This is what I've, I've heard. Oh, yeah, we, we did a little bit of go-karting uh, whilst we were waiting for the flight. Not kind of round the departure lounge, but like, yeah, that was fun. I mean, I thought, I genuinely (laughs) thought, I genuinely believed that I would be unstoppable at the go karting. You were very confident about it. Very confident. For weeks and months beforehand, you'd been talking about how you were going to tear it up on the track. You're very, very confident about your prowess behind the wheel. Now, let me explain one thing. Now, what I've heard is that you might have struggled a little bit. Wait, wait. I've only been go karting once in my life before. So that's, you know, just that's my experience in a go kart. I think what it proved was that I'm just a p- 
pure racer. <laughs> uh, because, you know, there were enough of us that there were two, kind of two heats, if you like, two qualifying sessions. Uh, and it turned out that the second group that went out, you know, the tyres, there was rubber laid down on the course and the tyres were a bit hotter. So all their times were generally quicker. So I didn't make the top, <laughs> the top, the top bunch, yeah? The word I'd use to describe that tone is weaselly. <laughs> but I'd like to try it again. I think we're going to do, do it over here. I've got the bug. <laughs> When he was like, I know that Lewis Hamilton started when he was like four or something yeah. at karting, but I think yeah, I might still have a go. Is this like your archery thing? Yeah. Like, when you were like, I can do archery in the Olympics, you were just confident that you could do archery in the Olympics. Are you now confident that you could become a Formula One driver on the basis of having not won <laughs> a go-karting championship amongst about six of your idiot friends? Uh, yeah, I would have loved to have a crack at that, that, you know, that top race. I love the image as well of, of, you, of you all coming out of... Uh, of the go-karts like coming away from the track and you're sort of taking your helmets off, you've still got the jumpsuits on or whatever. And people are going like, Oh, that was fun. That's yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I had a really good time. Yeah. And you're like, now see, let me explain, right? So there's a load <laughs> of rubber had been laid down on the track already. The archery thing didn't really take off. I couldn't find time for it. Well, and also you did it once and found that it was a lot more difficult than you'd that... anticipated. And so you gave up. It's just the I think it's just the latest in a long line of things that I'm just I'm trying to find something I'm actually good at. As opposed to just, you know, all right <laughs> at. In your life. I like to think I am competent at most things, but I've never really, I've, you know, I've not excelled in anything. No, well, listeners of the World Cricket Show can certainly attest to that. <laughs> Cricket did, punditry. Well, eventually I'm going to find something, Adam, and you're going to regret ever belittling my attempts. But it was a good time in Prague, good, was it? Good time had by all. Yeah. Didn't one guy lose his passport? Yeah, standard behaviour. Is think. he still there? I've not bothered to call him. <laughs> so, yeah. so there, we just left him. I'm sure he'll make it back at some point. Well, it sounds like a pretty wild weekend, Ten. I've got to say, uh, I had a pretty wild time of my own. I couldn't go on this stag do to to work on the Saturday, uh, but I thought, you know, I'm really gonna push the boat out, see if I can compete with this Prague weekend. So here we go. I did um, Friday night. I went to a quiz. Uh, then Saturday, as I say, I had to work. Sunday, I watched about seven episodes of The Wire on my own um and other than that i just like did some hoovering you only live once Tane. yeah hence why we spend hours a week recording a podcast exactly. you know. yeah. england let's kick off the show with our screamingly popular item england on which we discuss england now england's test series with new zealand is going to come down to a winner takes all game in auckland after they had to settle for a damp draw in wellington new zealand won the toss and put england in and that turned out to be a pretty poor decision from Brendan McCullum as England racked up 465 hundreds for Jonathan Trott and Nick Compton, a second consecutive century, 82 as well for Matt Pryor, very rapid fire innings. In response, New Zealand struggled a bit. They were all out for 254, which was a decent recovery after being 89 for five. Six wickets for Stuart Broad, six for 51. New Zealand were 11 runs short of the follow-on target. They were asked to bat again by Alistair Cook, they were 162 for two in their second innings when rain came down on the fourth day and it kept raining for the rest of that day and for the whole of the fifth day as well. So the game finished as a very soggy draw. Two draws then in the, in the first two games. This isn't exactly turning into the uh, procession that we were expecting perhaps, Tony. I mean, obviously rain played quite a big part of that in Wellington. Each of the last five sessions was washed out. But New Zealand were resisting pretty well, it has to be said, in their second innings. Kane Williamson was 55 not out, Ross Taylor 41 not out. The England bowling attack looking a bit blunt. Do you think England would have won the game if, if it hadn't rained, if, if the full quota 
of overs had been bowled. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you say it hasn't been a procession, and it hasn't, obviously. But I think you asked me a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was last week. Was it last week? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, what well, it was last week. What happened, uh, or what would happen this week and the following week? And I, I don't said, know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, let me finish. Stop that again. Let me finish. You asked me last week what I thought would happen yeah. in the, like, the range of the series. You know, do, did I still think England would win? Uh, and yes, was my answer then. And I still think England will win the third test here. It's like a genius, I don't think, to, to come up with that. Uh, don't do yourself down, Tim. Well, I mean, I, I, you might not excel at this, but that doesn't mean you're not. I'm trying, mate. I'm above trying. average. But yeah, Eng- England would have won this test match. 80% likely they would have won this test match. So I mean, they, they might not necessarily have won the game. I mean, I think uh, I think when the rain came down, New Zealand were only about 55 or 60 runs behind, still eight wickets in hand. Now, obviously, if England had made a breakthrough, then a handful of wickets might have fallen in quick succession. But we don't know. And, and it has to be said that if rain had come down at lunchtime on the fourth day of the first test you may well have said, well, New Zealand would go on to win it because England were so far behind the game at that point. So, no, it's by no means definite that that England would have won in Wellington. But they did look very much the stronger team over the course of the play that we did have. But yeah, no no one's been able to force a result yet. I think one thing that, that hasn't helped in bringing about a result in either game has been the, the state of the pitches that we've had in both Dunedin and Wellington. Uh, it was... Uh, they were flatter than a pancake at a disappointing birthday party. Does that work? Mm, back to the drawing board. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll take that one back to the drawing board. Yeah, come come up with something go- better next week. Yeah, uh, I'll take it back to my writing team and see what they come Shut up with. Shut that one back in. But yeah, there's been some suggestion that New Zealand have uh, deliberately engineered flat wickets to sort of give themselves more of a chance, uh, which I don't know whether that's true. It has also been uh, an exceptionally hot and dry summer in New Zealand, which makes it even more annoying that we've had so much rain. But yeah, yeah I, hope- so, I mean, we've, we've been watching New Zealand kind of shine in all the sunshine. Just couldn't find another word other than shine there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been really beautiful and we've been really envious of it. Uh, not anymore. We've got the sunshine and they've got no result cricket. Well, we had the anyway. snow a few days ago. That is true. Now we've got today. the sunshine, yeah. yeah. And the rain. It, was, it rained quite a bit today as yeah, well. Yeah, true. Yeah, so, OK, well, we're kind of evens at the moment. OK. The draw. We're going to call it, like this test match, a draw. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's that. I hope that either it's just because of the summer that they've had or, or it is because they've deliberately gone out of the, their way for this particular series to make flat wickets. I hope it's not part of a, a long-term trend that pitches in New Zealand are becoming flatter because the last thing that international cricket needs is for another country to, to become home to flat pitches. I mean, we've seen that happen in West Indies in recent years. It doesn't need to happen in New Zealand as well. But yeah, we won't uh, be too quick to make that sort of assumption. But looking at the the game itself, it was a good test match for Stuart Broad. As I say, six for 51 in the first innings. Is he back, Tone? Is Broad back? Well, he's, he's on the way back, isn't he? I think we said at the start of the series that we expected him to have a good series. I expected him to have a good series. Six for 51, it's in the right direction. It's heading in the right direction. And yeah, I'd say he is partly part of the way back. It's a magnificent delivery to dismiss Ross Taylor for a golden duck in the first innings. He bowled some fantastic balls um, throughout the game. Still sometimes a little bit loose, but he he looked uh, by far, actually, the the best of England's bowlers. If he is on the way back, if he can get back, uh, then that would be terrific news for England. Throughout his career, really, there have been two Stuart Broads, haven't there? There's been the the world-beating one and the rubbish one. And uh, we've seen a bit too much of the rubbish one 
in recent times. If he can get back to that, that world-beating one that he was a year ago, then that's a, a massive step forward for England in terms of assembling their, their Ashes side. Yeah, I take your point, although like, most players end up being kind of two players, don't they, good and bad. Broad has, yeah, he has had some kind of extended periods of kind of poor form, but I don't think that's too different to most players. You know, no, players although uh, p- p- particularly with bowlers, you, you would more often get um, someone who sort of would go up and down on a more kind of gentle gradient perhaps than Stuart Broad because he's quite a difficult player to assess. I mean, the number of times that it seemed like, well, this must be his last game for England because he's, he's really been quite bad but then suddenly he switches on and he's absolutely unplayable and yeah I, I wouldn't be too hasty in judging him on either count in the sense that you know he was absolutely rubbish in India and he was bad against South Africa but we're basically talking about five or six test matches there you can forgive a player for having five or six bad test matches but it just kind of fits into a more general pattern in Broad's career where he's, he's just a very frustrating character because he can you don't know what you're going to get from him if he is now going to switch it on, that would be great. But yeah, let's not let's not jump to the to the conclusion that he's back to his best either. Let's just yeah. sort of let him get on with it. I, I think it is. It's quite important, uh, you know, in light of some other things that happened uh, in the side. It's important that this suggestion of a return to form uh, is maintained because you know Swan being out for you know an indefinite amount of time at the moment. Peterson has been you know is now not going to be playing for what eight weeks they said. Eight weeks is up. Uh, yeah. You know, if Broad's continued to be poor suddenly England's side and you know we, we're going to be looking at to the ashes constantly now uh suddenly England's side for the ashes looks you know potentially you might have to remove those three players and it's like experienced quality players out the side and suddenly the team makeup looks very different you know Compton quite new to the scene Root yeah it, it's important I think for the for the strength of England's core that Broad is playing well in the next six to twelve months and you get the sense that a lot of fans wouldn't mind if Broad was rubbish and, and was dropped. Like, a lot of people don't really like him. They, they think England would be, would be better off without him. But I don't really understand You that. don't have to think back that far to a time when Broad was an absolutely essential asset for England. As I say, he, he is frustrating. He can, be, he can be bad. But when he's good, he's very good. <laughs> I think, though, I, I, I kind of can't really uh, get on board with the anti-Broad rhetoric because he is the kind of player that you think should be quite a popular player you know when it when he's going uh you know he's, he charges in uh when he, he bats kind of bats kind of fluently and quite aggressively he's played some really kind of you know engaging innings uh and it was just for a long time he just bowled way too short didn't he and we said we, we were telling him for ages you know just pitch it up and he, then he started to and he just took wicket after wicket yeah, so you're you're claiming the credit for that uh, yeah i am i mean i was the first one you, you were the, the only one. one i don't remember ian botham saying it <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember michael holding saying it um if i'd have got on twitter earlier i could have staked that claim for everyone's sake uh, we hope that stuart broad is indeed on his way back as I say, he was far and away the best of England's bowlers in Wellington. Jimmy Anderson was struggling with an injury. Steve Finn was struggling a bit for form. I mean, we say about Broad bowling too short in the past. Finn appears to be bowling too short at the moment as well. And it looks great, doesn't it, when Steve Finn charges in, uh, bowls it halfway down the pitch and it flies through and prior takes it you know, above his head. That looks great, but actually it's not taking wickets. Um, it's not that threatening. He needs to pitch it up. Uh, he's not having the best tour at the moment and he's someone that everyone's been getting very very excited about talking about him being one of the best fast bowlers in the world 
he's barely played any test cricket for a while. He only played one test match in India, couldn't get in the team before that. Now he's come to New Zealand, not having the best tour. From his point of view, he really needs to, to put his hand up in Auckland, I would say, and deliver a performance. Yeah, I agree. I don't really understand why bowlers can't pitch it up more, why they consistently bowl short. Well, speaking as a fast bowler, <laughs> I'd say that there is something very satisfying about bowling a bouncer. Like it, but not more satisfying than getting wickets, surely? No, but I think it's more to do with the fact that if you're not taking wickets, if you're not finding it, if you're up against batsmen who are pretty good, then and if they're hitting you for four and stuff, then if you can bowl it short and not get hit for four, that then that's very satisfying, I think. Yeah, okay, take that point. I don't know, Finn, you know, you know what we said earlier about the pitches uh, not being kind of conducive to results. It's a bit of a shame because kind of from an England fan's perspective, I was looking for particularly the England fast bowlers to go to New Zealand and just kind of take wickets. You know, that's obviously that's quite a kind of presumptuous, arrogant viewpoint, probably, to a New Zealand cricket fan. Well, that's you though, isn't it? That's you all over. <laughs> presumptuous and arrogant. Thanks. Right, but uh but you know what I mean, I think you'd agree with me. That's you know, and, and Finn, you know, it would have been important, which should have been could have been important for Finn to go and, and get a lot of wickets, which he hasn't done now, so... Well, don't get me wrong, I, I think Steve Finn's got an enormous amount of potential. I think he is going to be uh, an unbelievably good Test match bowler, but it's just sort of the sense that you get from a lot of England fans and from a lot of people in the media as well is that he's already at that level, and he has been very successful in one-day cricket in recent times, but just in Test cricket, he doesn't actually have the Test record to support the idea that he's one of the best fast bowlers in the world. And a big performance in Auckland would be the first step in sort of moving in that direction because he as i say he's he's just he's not been that penetrative in in either game so far pitch the ball up steve and yeah and auckland has all the promise of a great test match doesn't it it should be more open you know if new zealand have been gearing the pitches towards draws uh, or at least towards kind of uh, towards the batsmen uh, then they shouldn't be now because england haven't been on the, their best uh, form so there's a real opportunity for New Zealand to nick a series win here. So they, they should be going for it. Uh, and so will England. So it's, you know, that's, that's a good opportunity for Finn to go and do the business. Well, more runs for Nick Compton in Wellington. His second consecutive century. He made his debut century in Dunedin and he backed it up with a second consecutive century here. Um, really nailing down his, his place in the team, isn't he? All that debate before the series. Should it be Compton? Should it be Root opening? Uh, it's probably worth pointing out that after three innings each in this series, Compton has scored 217 runs and Root has scored 14 runs. Uh, I mean, admittedly, yeah, Root hasn't had the same opportunity to knuckle down in the way that Compton has, but still, I mean, he has had an opportunity to bat. And yeah, it's it's Compton's the one who's who's grasped the nettle. Yeah, it does kind of blow up in the face of all the people who were calling for Root to be the go-to guy. I don't really, again, there's a lot of things I don't understand. Another of which is why the negativity about Compton. I, I, I couldn't see it. Well, people thought he was old. People thought he was boring. But again, he's got a great name. He did really well in India. You know, that should be enough. Uh, but yeah, I don't really get it. I mean, presumably people will still think he's boring, though. You could certainly make an argument for him not being the most exciting Test match player there's ever been. Uh, but saying that, he played some very nice shots in Wellington. His pull shot isn't always entirely convincing, but when he does get it right, uh, it's a really good strike to watch. His swivel, it's an absolutely textbook swivel. Uh, our old school coach would uh, would be waxing lyrical about that. Backing across and then just dispatches it to the boundary. Yeah, something I've never done, I don't think. <laughs> I simply can't do. It was another superb innings from Matt Pryor as well. Uh, we got a tweet from Diddy Haman, 
celebrity fan Diddy Herman, former Premiership footballer. We need to get Diddy on the show, I think. Well, I think he actually does listen. He played for Man City and Liverpool, didn't he? And Germany. Now well into cricket. It's actually one of my favourite things about Twitter during a test match. Diddy Herman is always just tweeting about the cricket and tweeting really insightful stuff as well. But I tweeted something, I think at this point, Pryor had uh, edged a few boundaries through third man uh, just before lunch. And I think I tweeted something along the lines of, uh, hope Pryor settles down a bit after lunch. Uh, And Diddy Herman tweeted, the man doesn't need to settle down, he's a machine. Most reliable English batsman, along with Captain Cook. He's got a point, Tane, hasn't he? He probably is the most reliable English batsman, aside from Cook. Agreed. I mean, rarely does he not contribute a score, does he? I mean, he hasn't got a century for almost two years now, but then again, well, he, it seems a bit harsh to criticise him on that basis. You wouldn't expect him yeah. to have got a century as a number seven but batsman. But he has got, you know, he's got a lot of 50s, a lot of 80s, 90s, 60s, uh, other intervals. 70s. Integers. Uh, 70s. Uh, and yeah, he always gets him at a good pace, a couple of sixes and a, a, you know, a clutch of fours in this. So yeah, reliable is probably the word. Well, he's usually doing what the team needs him to do as well. And yeah, he doesn't go on and get massive hundreds, but then he, he often runs out of partners. But I mean, even in the UAE, he was probably England's most reliable batsman. All the other batsmen were falling like dominoes. And he was the only one who was kind of He was the domino that had already fallen up. over and then they all stopped. What? He was the domino that had all had fallen over already. Like, there was a problem, wasn't it? Or he was stood a little bit further back. You're saying so. a lot of stuff, Tane, that I don't I just understand think tonight. I just think that you're on my plate. <laughs> you, uh, mate, you, just need to, you need to kind of elevate yourself to a higher kind of level of thinking. Also, I mean, when prior bats, that's the, kind of, that's the passage of play that you want to be watching. Yeah, he's a very exciting player. And you could probably make a case for Jonathan Trott being England's second most reliable batsman. But then Trott does have poor periods he's he's had bad runs of form Pryor's not immune to to bad stretches of form but he does seem to sort of haul himself out of them a bit more quickly than than most other players and yeah it was another very important knock in Wellington uh what about New Zealand though they found life a bit more difficult perhaps than they did in Dunedin but still demonstrated plenty of resilience some nuggety batting from the likes of of Kane Williamson and, and BJ Watling who got a half century in the first inning the bowling was uh, maybe less incisive than it was in Dunedin, but Doug Bracewell might be returning in Auckland, which would be a boost, would add a, another dimension to their attack. What about Bruce Martin, the spinner? Have you been impressed with him? They're really looking to the future, aren't they? What with him being a whole year <laughs> younger than Dan Vittori? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could go on to kind of hold that place for months to come, couldn't he? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got to be impressed with him. He's taken wickets. He's batted quite well as well. What he did has. he get? Um, he batted really well in the first match, didn't he? He did, and he got another... <laughs> 21 in this He one. got another 21 <laughs> not out. I think I'm thinking of the first match. Yeah. Although he did survive 47 balls, and he batted with BJ Watling, uh, and they put on 42. It's better than yeah. nothing. But yeah, in the first, in the first game, he, uh, he certainly contributed, didn't he? He was, he was kind of playing some big shots as well. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, the name Bruce Martin, the fact that no one from England... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Has really heard of him, and then you see that he's 32. So a lot of people wrote him off, didn't they, on the basis of all those things? But he's actually been pretty effective. And uh, what did he get? Four more wickets. Yeah, you've got to give him a lot of credit, I think. But anyway, there's one game to go. Are England going to do it, Tane? If they are going to do it, they're going to have to do it without Kevin Peterson, who, as we say, is out. Even without him, are they going to do it? I'm predicting yes. I think I started with a 3-0 prediction, then a 2-0. I'm going to say the series is going to end 1-0 to England. It would be a horrible damp squib, though, if it was, was to be you know, three draws. Well, I'm just checking the weather. Doesn't look too bad. No rain forecast as far as I can see. If you get five days of play, you'd imagine there'll probably be a result. And on the evidence that we've seen so far, England do appear to be the stronger team. You would have to bet on England being the one that would get that result. But it's by no means certain. I think in this series, New Zealand have shown much more application, much more determination and much more quality than they did against South Africa. Yes, South Africa is South Africa. They can make most teams look bad. But um, quite a few people have been surprised by how well New Zealand have played here. That said, it would still be a big disappointment if England don't win. Are you prepared to put your money where your mouth is, Tony? Are you going to bet financially on England winning? I may well. I may well stick a fiver on it. What are the odds? Uh, England 1.75, the draw 3.45 and New Zealand at sevens on on your decimal odds on Betfair at the moment as we speak, as we go to air. What about on Bet365? I won't check that. Ray Winston's Bet365. Latest live odds are on your screen now. Bet365.com. Bet in play. Now. Around the world now, in which we discuss things that have been happening around the world, if you'll permit me, Tane, I would like to take you to India, specifically Mahali, where the third test between the home side and Australia has taken place this week, and India ran out very convincing winners... Yet again, Australia batted first. There was an excellent opening partnership between Ed Cowan and Dave Warner, uh, who made 86 and 71 respectively. Steve Smith, returning to the team, made a quite uncharacteristic 92. And Mitchell Stark fell an agonising one run short of a century. 99, in case you haven't worked that out, (laughs) is what he made. As Australia racked up 408, and you thought at that point, they surely can't lose this game because the entire of the first day had been lost to rain. But India had other ideas, an astonishing opening partnership between Murali Vijay, who made 153, and Shikhar Dewan on debut, who struck 187 from just 174 balls. That's the fastest ever debut century in Test Match cricket. India were all out for 499, which was a lead of 91. Australia then very disappointingly slumped to 223 all out with Ravi Jadeja taking three for 35. India's target was 133. They had a few slight wobbles, uh, but they got there in the end with six wickets to spare to seal the win that saw them go 3-0 up in the series, regain the Border Gavaskar trophy and remain on course for the 4-0 revenge whitewash that their supporters crave. I'd say this this game probably wasn't quite as one-sided as the previous match in Hyderabad was. Australia struggled with the bat at times, but they made India work hard for their win, particularly on the final day. It was, as I say, quite a laboured run chase. But in memory, the game is going to be defined by that extraordinary opening partnership 
of 298 between VJ and Dewan, particularly by Dewan's innings. As I say, the fastest ever century by a debutant. It was a staggering display that it was as brutal as it was unexpected. Would you say not just put a nail in the coffin of Verinda Savag's career, but hammered down all the nails and buried it in the ground? Yeah, 187 at considerably quicker than a runner ball on boo. Uh, is, on boo. <laughs> as I shall now call it. Uh, is is super impressive, isn't it? Is that what he set out to do? Did he did he did he think, hey, I'm gonna go and uh, you know I'm gonna go and show kind of sewag how you do it or how you sewag it? Well, in a way, that's what it looked like. Yeah. He did. I mean, he didn't need to do that, did he? From the very start of his innings, he was smashing it all around the ground. You'd have thought a player coming in for your first test match, you know, you're thinking, well, a don't get a dug, but at least scratch around for a few runs first before you kind of let loose. But yeah, like you say, trust just. He just set about it, didn't he? So, you know, maybe maybe that's come with it from within, which is quite exciting and kind of show you know pretty exciting player on our hands. Maybe you know maybe the the coach or the, the backroom staff said, look, this is the role we need you to play. You know, now Stayweg's possibly not going to be in the team. This is what we want you to do. So go and do it. And in which case, equally impressive that he's gone and actually done it. It's hard to believe that they would have said, can you go out there and do that? Because, yeah, it's just asking a lot of a debutant. You'd think that it's probably come from within himself. And probably what happened is he you know, played some of those shots because maybe he was a bit nervous and he thought the best thing to do was to be attacking at the start. He got away with it and he kept getting away with it. And he thought, well, actually, I can just carry on doing this. I mean, as we always say when, when someone you know, storms onto the scene like this, He's got a lot to prove still. Like, there's going to be much tougher tests awaiting him in other parts of the world against other bowlers. I mean, Australia's bowlers, none of them have been at their best in this series. And for some of them, even when they are at their best, they're not that good. Um, so, you know, so he's he has got a lot to prove. Yeah, I mean, also, you know, VJ was alongside him and got 150. Uh, you know, and obviously in the Australian first inning, Stark got 99, Smith. Got, got runs. So. Yeah, if Steve Smith gets runs. Then, uh... so I mean, yeah, clearly it was you know it was it was in the batsman's favour, but that that doesn't mean the job's done. So no, and you can't sort of underplay just how um, impressive this was for a debutant to do. I mean, just, for someone Clark... on boo, I mean, it is yeah. it's astonishing. You have still got to score the runs, haven't you? And while you might look at this and think, oh, the Indians are getting carried away on the basis of one performance. You know, England fans got massively carried away with Joe Root on the basis of a couple of 50s. So you can understand why they would witness this knock and think, well, this is a, a star in the making here. But I think the really encouraging thing from India's point of view is that, that they have gone beyond Verinder Savag now and, and they won't get back to him. I mean, Dewan actually injured himself in the field and has been ruled out of the final test. But they didn't go back to Savag. They've brought in Suresh Rainer, which I'm not sure I would have done. But they didn't say, oh, we'll, we'll go back to Savag. I think, you know, India finally making the tough calls that for a very long time we've been suggesting they need to make sweeping out the dead wood. And in this series, it's paying dividends. Yeah, but- I mean, talking about getting excited about players, I think it's fair enough, you know, we got you were getting quite excited about Moishesh. Moishesh. So, I mean, he went and got, uh, you know, a duck and a two, so... So, yeah, you don't want to get carried away, but, uh, but it was an astonishing innings. Um, and in general, I think it's been a very encouraging series from India's perspective... And Indian fans do appear to be looking at this as a new beginning. They obviously had an extremely tough time before Christmas against England, and that came after quite a long run of of poor results. So you can understand why Indian fans are so pleased about this, to be on course for a whitewash against Australia, who handed out a whitewash to them a year ago, must be extremely satisfying. Do you think they're jumping the gun by getting so excited, or do they have every reason to be excited by 
the performances they've seen in this series. Yeah, it's clearly more positive. I think it was. I think this is quite a predictable series result. I can't remember what, exactly what my series prediction was. I think I might have said three one. I think I predicted two all. I think uh, you might have predicted two one to India. I think I might have predicted three one, but we'll. If only there was some way for us to find out, Tony. If only we kept an audio record of these conversations. Uh, you know, going into the series, you did feel that India would edge it. Obviously, they've done a little bit more than edge it at the moment. But yeah, yeah, there's obviously a lot to be quite positive about. Australia's players have been edging it a lot. Am I right, Tony? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> am I right about that? Am I right? Yeah, you're right. You are spot on oh, about right. that. And you know, Australia's kind of already limited chances weren't made any. Oh, that seems a bit harsh, but Australia's you know already kind of disadvantage wasn't helped by the. Uh, by that crazy off-the-field shenanigan that kind of unfolded. Homework gate. Exactly. Well, yeah, well, more on Australia in a second, but just to, to finish on India, you could say that they're perhaps getting a bit carried away because it's not so long ago that this would have been an entirely predictable result. Or you'd think, you know, a year or so ago, for Indian fans to be getting so excited about beating Australia at home would seem a bit absurd. But they've been through some very tough times, so you can understand why they are getting excited. And if it was England in a similar situation, we would be getting similarly carried away, wouldn't we? And to an extent, that is what happened in India. I mean, England got beaten very convincingly by South Africa at home, and then they won the next series, and everyone sort of forgot about the South Africa series, and, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a slightly different case, because for England to beat India in India is a much more significant achievement than for India to beat Australia in India. Yeah, Yeah, for this Indian team, they might feel they've got a a new side developing, but the litmus test is going to be what happens when they go overseas. Uh, The likes of Ashwin and Jadeja, who have taken wickets here, Vijay and Pajara, who have scored runs here, you know, the question for them is, can they do it outside the subcontinent? But you can't argue with the way they've played in this series. Um, and it's the margins of victory that I think have been the notable thing. They've really thumped Australia. And as I say, there have been some very eye-catching performances from the likes of Ravi Jadeja, who's, who's been a revelation. I mean, his, his bowling, when you look at it, it doesn't really appear to be test class. But he keeps getting good batsmen out. And he's had more success than anyone against Michael Clarke in the last year or so. Yeah, there's the basis of a very good team there, isn't there? You know, Pajara has already done the business a lot. Kohli has the potential to be unbelievable. So, you know, it, it is it is there. You know, Tendulkar's still scratching around in what I like to call now the curse scores, kind of 20s and 30s. <laughs> uh, you're probably going to say that I don't think India can move on with Tendulkar uh, and so won't, won't move on until they get rid of him. Or until he goes, I should say. Yeah, until they go. <laughs> sounds a bit harsh. Until, you know, Tendulkar and the Indian national team part until company. They, until they manage to get rid of that parasite. <laughs> he's still clinging on. But yeah, obviously, you know, he's a pretty stark reminder of the, the previous side, isn't he? Yeah, and as I say, they have kind of got rid of a lot of those former players, either through retirement, like Dravid Lachman, or by dropping them like Gambier and Savag. You can't necessarily say that this is a new team while he's still there. I, I, exactly. I know what you mean. But yeah, I think you know Indian fans are entitled to feel much more optimistic about their team than they did a couple of months ago. They're not the best team in the world yet by any stretch, but they've halted the slide. You know, it's only a start, but it is a start. What about Australia, though? This tour has gone from bad to worse to even worse. Three big defeats now interspersed with homework gate. Former England players can scarcely contain their glee. <laughs> Michael Vaughan is Twitter's smuggest man at the moment, which is... Uh, some achievement, really, when you consider that Ricky Gervais and Piers Morgan are both pretty prolific tweeters. That's all contributing to a somewhat black mood amongst Australian fans. Uh, we've got a question on Facebook from Australian listener by the name of Mark Rickards, who says, can we postpone the ashes for a decade or so? Chris Hudson on Twitter 
wrote, as an Australian fan, should I just put myself into cryogenic stasis until things get better? And when should I defrost? Can you answer that, Tone? What's gone wrong for the Aussies on this tour? On this tour? Well, up until this tour, you know, things seem to be going pretty well and then it's all just unraveled. I mean, what's gone wrong? They've come up against, as we said, a recovering team in favourable conditions to that recovering team. Uh, And, yeah, and they've been beset by problems. So, yeah, entirely predictable. I mean, there's been problems off the field and there's been problems on the field. I guess this is a bit of a chicken and egg question, but do you think the off-field stuff has made them play worse on the field or do you think the fact that they've been playing badly on the field has led to this kind of negative atmosphere in the dressing room I mean it's impossible to answer because you're not in the dressing room but which do you think comes first because a lot of the time people say if a team's winning they say oh we're a really happy side like everyone gets on really well but is that because they're winning or are they winning because they're a happy side like you say it is chicken and egg but given that the uh, the kind of the flashpoint arose from them being asked to analyse their rubbishness if you like (laughs) uh, for want of a better word uh, analyse where they went wrong, you'd probably have to say it's on-field problems that have caused the off-field problems in this instance. And cricket's a bit of a unique sport in this sense, I think, because team performances are a collection of individual performances. You can have in cricket an individual performing unbelievably well, like Michael Clark might go out and score 180, but his sides still get thumped. That must lead to quite a negative atmosphere, I thought, because if you're going out there and performing extremely well and getting nowhere, it must be very frustrating. And that doesn't necessarily happen in the same way in football or rugby because they're much more kind of organic games where the, the whole team's performance is much more a collective thing rather than made up of these constituent individual parts. Maybe that contributes to uh, to the problem. Yeah, it's, it's never a problem we've really had in teams we've played in. Because everyone's, Cause everyone's been rubbish. Yeah. Each other, exactly, yeah. so it's really hard to kind of get uh, down to that level. I mean, I think this tour has been a bit of a shock for Australia because things had seemed to be going pretty well lately. Their most recent series was a 3-0 demolition of Sri Lanka. The problem, I think, is that their recent successes have been founded on their very strong pace attack. And they do have some excellent pace bowlers. Sri Lanka were torn apart by Siddle and Stark and co. The thing is, in India, though, pace is to a large extent irrelevant. What you need is a strong batting lineup and world-class spin bowlers. And Australia don't have either of those things. The batting has been woeful. Phil Hughes has had a nightmare tour um, up until the second innings, in Mahali at least, where I think he got, what did he get, 60-odd, 69. Before then, he'd scored eight runs in 82 balls against the Indian spinners and been out five times, which is obviously not anywhere near good enough for a test match number three. And I do have grave concerns about Phil Hughes as a test match player, though from an England fan's perspective, keep him in the team. But but I think, you know, looking at the reasons why they've struggled here is one reason why I would, as an England fan, still be a little bit cautious, a little bit more cautious perhaps than the likes of Vaughan and Botham and Stewart when it comes to forecasting what's going to happen You're in the Ashes. You're not predicting 10-0 then? I'm not predicting 10-0 because, you know, in England and in Australia, the Aussie pace bowlers are going to have much more of a role to play than they have in India. If Pattinson and Stark stay fit and get the ball swinging, you could see them giving England's batsmen quite a few problems. You know, England will be similarly confident in their own conditions, but Australia will be better in those series in England and Australia yeah. than they have been here. You know, if the series, if the Ashes was played in India, then I'd back England every day of the week. But obviously, that's not. That'd the be case. interesting. That would mix it up. I mean, another player who's off to the treatment table is Mitchell Stark. You know, we could, you know, we could end up with the two sides lining up. 
uh, for the first test in the summer, and we, we just don't know any of the players. They're just they're all kind of unknowns. They're all crocked. They're all crocked. So they just had to bring in like you know, Ramp Prakash is back. I don't know. Jason Gillespie's come back. Well, I've booked my flights. Um, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to bring my kit bag. Just turn up there. I've brought my kit because I think if you bring your kit, that's like half of it. Cause, yeah. You know, they're like, oh, everyone's injured. What can we do if I'm there? Well, I've got my kit already. I think, well, that's fine. Then we don't have to sort it out with kit. Yeah. So he can just go straight in. I mean, it's all about television shows. You know, it's got that first ball's got to be bold. Exactly. <laughs> We've got three minutes till the yeah. first ball. Should we get on the phone to Essex or Hampshire? No, this guy's got his kit. He's already here. So. Yeah, sorted. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, go for it. No, I am going for it. I've, I've, I've booked my flights. That's what I said. The thing is that you'll probably break down with injury as well. So are you the most reliable? You'll probably have a sniffle or something. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever go at me about sniffles, Dane. We were supposed to record this episode yesterday, but you, you were ill. Mate, I've got a sore throat. I can't record the it podcast. It was actually, it, it was hurt. It, it was hurt. It was hurting me to talk. Thing is, I don't actually blame you. Like, fair enough. You've got a sore throat. You can't do the podcast. The only thing is that in the past you have <laughs> accused me of wimping out of things from being ill. But sometimes yeah. you're ill, saying sometimes yeah. people are ill. You claim that you never get ill. That and that's simply not true. I, I, this, I brought this on myself, though. In this particular illness. Thing about you is that you both claim that you're never ill, and you're also a hypochondriac. So when you are ill, you often think that you're much more ill than you no, are. I don't know if that's true. It's I think... like you reckon you've had tonsillitis. Recently, you're like, yeah, I had it. I literally had full blown tonsillitis. Yeah, but didn't you, you? You still went to the pub though, didn't you? Yeah, but you no, but I'm you telling claimed... you, man, if you had tonsillitis, you'd not be right, able to go to the ton- pub. Uh, some of the stuff that was going on in my throat was alien. Yeah, but <laughs> just because I wasn't like bedridden with it. Yeah, I know. You're like, but yeah, man, you can't. If you've got tonsillitis, you can't stand up. You can't. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I had it. Like, I it I we didn't have it. No, I understand. You can have a slightly milder strain of tonsillitis, but that's not what you say. That's not how you sell your illness. You're like, you're like, yeah, tonsillitis, man. Or if someone's like, have you ever had tonsillitis? You're like, yeah, I've had tonsillitis. Mate, it was tonsillitis. Didn't knock me out though. It was tonsillitis. Didn't bring me down. But... Got, got a tickly throat. Oh, it must be glandular fever. Much like the Harlem Shake. This episode of the World Creature Show has been a baffling waste of time that people have already forgotten about. That's better than your, your previous attempts. Have you heard of this Harlem Shake, Tone? Should we do a Harlem Shake? No, Should we do a World Creature Show Harlem I'd, Shake? I'd be delighted if we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not least because we're about three weeks too late. Well, I know, and this is why I think if we did it now, that would be lame. But if we wait like nine months and then release a Harlem Shake video, would, would we be kind of ironically cool again? I, don't, I doubt it. I don't think so. I'm not sure if it would work, though, would it? Because there's only two of us. I suppose you can do one with two people. I don't think we should, though. I think it's not even worth thinking about. Well, I brought the video camera tonight. <laughs> okay, cool. I've got a load of costumes outside. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Did you not wonder what those were for? I did. I they had crossed my mind. I brought the horse. got all this ski gear here. <laughs> oh, I think we should leave it. You know, I understand... You know, I understand the concept of kind of viral stuff, uh, you know, and, and people want to get, you know, jump on the bandwagon. But equally, if you're not within the first five, don't bother. Just call it quits there. Not within the first five, what videos upload? Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> That's quite difficult. I mean, that cuts out most of the videos that have been uploaded about the Harlem Shake. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Because at one point, wasn't there like 4,000 an hour being uploaded? Oh. But there, I mean, there were some horrendous examples. Like here, you know, we've got three really bad nightclubs, uh, and at least two of them, I think, did. You know, it was like two weeks after the whole thing and the Harlem Shake had blown up. Uh, they did. They were like, "Oh yeah, come down Wednesday night. We're going to do a Harlem Shake." And then you just see it, and it's like 
it's a Wednesday night in the, probably the worst nightclub in Britain. <laughs> and everyone's done doing It's just like, can't, no, can we not? No, no. Here we go, no. so come on. No. Oh, no. Hey, roll the camera. <laughs> okay. We're not doing it. Here we go, what are you going to do? I it's going to drop in a second. I mate. don't know what we're going to do. No, no, you didn't do no, it. Yeah, I didn't do it. Cut. <laughs> Even like, I mean, horrib- you know, horribly in Gatwick, you know, the shake kind of like smoothie shack thing, whatever, not shake shack, but the smoothie shake place the milk banging shake this place. out and they were like oh do you want a harlem shake uh, do you want like a strawberry shake it's like shut <laughs> up <laughs> do you want a strawberry shake a banana shake or a harlem, know, like, shake? harlem shake wink like ha- harlem <laughs> shake no don't want any of it uh well anyway we we sound like old men who don't understand now, i'm surprised you even heard of the harlem shake i mean you hadn't heard of adele <laughs> i've heard of adele i just <laughs> i just haven't heard any of her songs well, no, I'm sure I have heard them. I just couldn't name any for you. Have you heard of this Gangnam style? <laughs> yeah, I've caught wind of it. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Gale released it, didn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, what you got lined up for this weekend, Tane? How, uh, how could you possibly follow Prague? Good question. Or Praha, as Praha. it's called in the Czech Republic. Uh, what have we got? No wedding. Not not wedding. not the same wedding as the as the stag. Different wedding. Your life's all about yeah, weddings, it's isn't kind it? Of, it's, a, it's wedding season. Now. You're a regular there Hugh is... Grant, Tane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from, you know that? You've seen that movie, I've right? I've seen the movie, yeah. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah. Uh, a topical reference for those. Uh, Hugh Grant of Leveson and Quarry fame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hacked off's Hugh Grant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, wedding this weekend. What have you got planned? You're not coming to the wedding? I'm not coming to the wedding because I don't know the person no. that's getting married. Although I, don't, <laughs> I say that I have met her and I have got a story about you that i could relate but i won't i'll save that for another time yeah it involves cranberry uh, right yeah it's a load of rubbish though. it's not a load it's, of rubbish you're talking you're talking nonsense again bayford <laughs> absolute rubbish oh uh, i'll save it yeah it's quite a long story i'll save it if listeners want to hear it <laughs> it's a long know. story about creme brulee the creme brulee story i'm sure everyone cannot wait to hear this one we got an email this week tane from uh, greg newman He says, Adam and Tony, thank you. I really appreciate your punditry week in and week out. I bought the T-shirt, I subscribe to the pod, and I get most people I know to subscribe to the cult of cricket and the WCS. Are there any plans for a WCS meetup? I would travel across the States, the home countries, or indeed Guernsey, to meet up with fellow listeners. Let me know. There might be. There aren't any plans, but there might be some plans, potentially, if we could come up with plans. Should we organise a meetup? I don't know. Could we organise a meetup? <laughs> what about a live show, Tank? Could we do a live show? A live taping? I'm dubious of our <laughs> ability to pull off a live show. Well, no, we could uh, we could do a live show, but just replace me and you with... Actually, we could with, book proper people. We'll book like, actual people to do it, and then we'll just rake in the cash. We could do a Google Hangout, if you want. I don't know what one of those is. It's like the Harlem Shake, but right. uh, it's on the internet. Okay. But it's nothing to do with dancing right. or music or anything. We could, reckon... do, we could do an, uh, you know, an Ask Me Anything on Reddit, couldn't we? They all seem to be doing that. The big people in the world. I honestly don't know what these things are. I, yeah. still, like, I make it sound like I'm joking, but I genuinely don't know You'll what, find out. what those things are. Yeah, uh, yeah we could... You know what Reddit is? N- kind yeah. of. It's like a th- it's like it's like Gangnam Style and right. the Harlem Shake and Google Hangouts. It's on the internet, okay. but it's not like those. I'm with you. Yeah, I reckon. Well, the World Cup right is in two years' time. World Cup 2015. I reckon what we need to do is get to a point where we're popular enough in Australia and New Zealand 
that we can fund a trip by doing live shows there. We'll do the World Cricket Road Show. Just travel around doing live podcasts throughout the World Cup. What do you reckon to that? Can we pull that off? It is ambitious. It's very ambitious. I'll be up for it there. I'll be up for it. Cool. Well, I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll see you there, mate. <laughs> well, anyway, yes. If you do like the show, then there are various ways for you to get more involved in it. No live shows as yet, but there are other things. Uh, probably the best thing that you could do would be to write us a review on iTunes. People have been doing that a lot recently in the various stores around the world. We do massively appreciate all of them. Don't worry, Ten, you just send a text message. I, while I, yeah, just while I wait to worry. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I know that I'm not needed now for a few <laughs> seconds. So. Visit our online website, <laughs> www.cricketshow.net. On there, you can listen to the show, listen to old episodes, and you can also purchase for yourself a World Cricket Show t-shirt, just £15, including free shipping to anywhere in the world. You can send us an email, like what Greg Newman has done, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. That's where all the action is. I've actually got some pictures of the snow, which I keep meaning to upload and I haven't got around to, uh, but I'll do that this week. And you can follow us on Twitter as well, at cricket show uh, is essentially me, at Tony Cover is Tony. That's T-O-N-Y-C-V-R-R. Uh, and you need to preface that with the at symbol, which I believe is how Twitter works. Did he man doesn't follow me, but I don't have any celebrity followers. Come on, Tane. No, Can you can't it? make me. You cannot make me. Roll the camera. <laughs> you can't. I mean, I've got to go. Tired and hungry and ill. No, you didn't do it again. No, I, I won't do it, Adam. I'm going to sit here <laughs> until you do it. It's like, like teachers used to say. Yeah. Well, I'm going to sit here until you're all quiet. That was a really bad teaching strategy, I thought. If everyone was being really noisy, they'd go... Well, I'm going to sit here until you're all quiet. And then everyone goes, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just continue chatting. You're welcome. For the whole lesson. Yeah. Anyway, that is about it from us here. Stay in school, guys. We're going to be back next week to talk about the test match in Auckland and other stuff as well, probably. But until then, that's all from me and from Tony. Enjoy the wedding, Tony. Cheers. You're a regular Vince Vaughan. Oh, yeah. A regular Owen Wilson. Bye-bye for now. Yeah, goodbye. Can smell your fear. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 